This is episode 11 of the Nespreneur Podcast, produced by Stem Media. You'll drop that. Listening to the Nesbypreneur Podcast, where we share information and inspiration to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea? Looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further, you have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Mia Maya Mabry. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome one, welcome all, back here with me on the Nesby Panua Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Nehemiah J. Mabry, and uh, I intend to inspire, as always. Last week, we actually had a couple of things go on here in North Carolina where, where I am residing. STEM Media actually hosted a tremendous event on the campus of North Carolina State University. It was called the Technometric 2 stem poetry slam and i'm telling you this event was awesome it was an event where we had students come forth and write pieces of poetry and perform spoken words but the only catch or the theme of the show was that their pieces had to incorporate an abundance of technical language and wordplay that related to stem science and engineering technology math in some way and when i tell you i was blown away by the talent i was blown away this is the second time that we had it actually on the campus of NC State. I have to say that I was completely consumed with that, um, but it was a success. And um, pretty soon, Stem Media will be releasing some some media, some footage from that. And so I just want to encourage you to go ahead and check that out. Check out our, our Instagram account, our uh, YouTube page. You'll be able to catch some clips from that. But also, not only that, uh, we actually had a couple of winter storms here on the East Coast. If you've been paying attention to the news, uh, we had some power outages going on. Um, I fortunately didn't get hit too bad, but things slowed down quite a bit. And so for that reason, um, work in other areas kind of got put on hold. But with all that said, we are back. Um, and so today it's going to be a little different. Um, another di- diversion from what we typically do. Instead of bringing in an uh, interviewee, we have another topical episode for you. So it's just going to be you and your boy right here, just kind of hanging out for a little bit. And so I have uh, today the topic that you may have read before clicking on the podcast. That is how to find your next business idea fast. And fast, in this case, does not suggest that there's anything quick and easy and simple about starting a business. Actually, on the contrary, starting a business and running a successful enterprise takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, as it is said. And, and it doesn't happen overnight, despite the fact that sometimes stories seem to, to arise of success that appear to have happened overnight. But no, those people have been at it for years. And so I don't want to mislead you that this episode has something to do with finding success really, really fast. But... FAST, as it may have occurred to many of you, is actually an acronym, F-A-S-T. And so in this case, we're going to be giving you four tips on how to find your next business idea. 
without further ado, we're going to get straight into that. Okay. So here's tip number one It is the F and it stands for find an audience that you want to serve. I'm gonna say that again, find an audience that you want to serve. In other words, find your target market. And this is a, a tip that doesn't always come first in the process. You may see a lot of articles online that talked about finding business ideas and they may not always start with this, but I think this is great. This is something I heard from the speaker, uh, Tony Robbins, and he described the fact that if you can find a group that you wish to serve, that you really care about, then you won't burn yourself out down the road where you just find yourself in a place where you're just hating what you do. You no longer enjoy it. But if you find a place that you, or find a group of people that you can find yourself sticking to and attaching to for the long haul, then your business that you start and the service offering that you have will continue to be a joy for you because you are basically spending your time focusing on the audience that you want to serve. And so in finding your target market, there are a number of ways you can go about identifying them. And I just want to give you about three of them right now. One, you can just look for proximity. You may live in a certain part of the country or even in a certain part of your metropolitan area or even in a rural area where you notice that there is a high number of a certain people group or a certain customer. For instance, if you live in a part of town where there may be a number of senior citizens, it may be an opportunity for you to develop some sort of service or some sort of offering that serves senior citizens. Or maybe if you find yourself nearby some recreation center or some place where people like to work out and a lot of athletic events go on. By proximity, you might find yourself being positioned perfectly to provide a service or a product to athletes or to those who like to stay physically fit. And so proximity is one way that you can kind of determine or look to determine what audience you'd like to serve. Another way I could suggest to you is that you could suggest or you could select a target market based on commonality. And what I mean by commonality is look at yourself, look at the attributes that make up who you are. And then from that, you can essentially select a target market that you yourself are a part of. And so for instance, if you are maybe a single parent that is trying to go back to school, you then begin to be very well acquainted <laughs> because you are a part of this group with the different things that a single parent who's trying to go back to school experiences. And so this could be uh, a clue as to uh, an ideal audience or ideal target market that you can begin to develop offerings for. I see a great example of this when I look at the business of the pro skateboarder, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk was a, a very successful professional skateboarder. And initially he was just uh, very, very successful as an athlete. He would win a lot of awards, but as he began to venture into entrepreneurship, he selected an audience in a target market that he himself was a part of. And so he built a brand around his name that serviced people who like skateboarding. He began to get into apparel. He began to get into the tools and the equipments that made it easier for people who love skateboarding just like he did to do what they want to do better. And so commonality is another way that you can select your target market or the audience with the serve. And then lastly, I would say that you can look at just a group that intrigues you. Intrigue could be a third way in which you select your target audience or your target market. Um, I have a coworker who who's very, very fascinated with New York City. He's never lived in New York City, 
and he's never even like I think he's visited there a few times but he's always been intrigued with the the big city life and the different things that that uh ha that go on in the city and that differ from his life here in North Carolina and I can tell you that if if he were to go into um, business he would have an easier time finding out more about this target audience or or core group because it's something that naturally interests him or naturally intrigues him. No, it isn't necessarily a commonality that he shares, but that type of research that, that really leads into our next point will become something that is almost natural because his target audience or his ideal customer is one that intrigues him. And so when you select your target market, what you wanna do is get an idea in some way shape, form, or fashion of what your ideal customer would look like. Many people have suggested that you develop an avatar. You get this, this ideal customer that you would love to do business with, a name, you describe kind of their background, what they do, what's their routine from the moment they wake up to the time they go to bed, what type of car they drive, and you can just, it, the better you can describe this ideal customer, the better you can kind of place yourself in a mindset of serving them. And so that's something I would challenge you to do. Once you kind of brainstorm a little bit and say, man, you know, I would really like to serve students or, you know, I would really like to serve um, minorities or I would really like to serve uh, married couples, whatever the case may be, kind of create a, a description of what that ideal customer would be. That person who every time you did business with them, it would just be a joy and a pleasure and would energize you. And that will give you a head start in finding your next business idea. And so that's F, find an audience that you want to serve. So that brings us to A. A would be ask about their problems, frustrations, and pain points. So that again, A would be to ask about their problems, frustrations, and pain points. Now, when you ask these questions, um, it can happen really one of two ways. And so I'm going to kind of just give you an idea of, of both primary or direct methods and then secondary methods that you can conduct what we call market research. Primary methods, direct methods could include things such as interviews. Uh, many of you may have experienced getting calls from your landline where someone is saying, hey, I just want to ask you a few questions. We're, we're trying to survey in the neighborhood. We're trying to get an idea. And they proceed to ask questions about your experience in that market. So you could conduct some cold calls. You can just go down the list, find out everyone that may attend this particular school because that's your target market. Give them a ring, start asking them questions so you can kind of get an idea of their psyche. Another thing you can do is conduct surveys. Now this may involve you getting out of the house, getting from in front of the computer and actually getting in an environment where your, your target market dwells. Another direct method could be focus groups. That's something that I personally enjoy doing, um, being that STEM Media's goal is to serve the science, technology, engineering, math community, particularly those in higher education. I really enjoy getting out and conducting focus groups and just chatting with students and educators and those that are within this field to get an idea of the different things that they face. When it comes to secondary methods or indirect methods of doing market research, this could include things such as social media, I know many of you listening may have a Twitter account or a Facebook account. On these platforms, you could follow people, you could en engage in, in join groups 
where then you can just observe and begin to take in a lot of information as it relates to your target market or your target audience. Get to know the things that they talk about. What are some of the topics, the common topics that seem to emerge from just observing? Another method for secondary or indirect research would be uh, census data, publicly available data. You can look at different records from the past and get an idea of uh, the households in a certain geographical area. Or what are the educational attainments of the people that live in a certain zip code? What are the things that appear to be the common themes or the common themes that are faced and experienced by your target audience? And as you are so intent in understanding this market and understanding this group, you begin to get an idea of what they need solutions for. Find out where they typically go about meeting certain needs and then find out what are those things that annoy them and try to describe as much as possible the major concerns and frustrations that your target market has. So after you find your target audience, you ask questions about their problems, frustrations, and pain points. That brings us to our S. And S is start with a sample. Start with a sample. Um, this could be likened to a term known as the minimum viable product, which is basically the, the, the lowest common denominator between a, a product or an offering that doesn't have enough to sell and something that has all of the features that you can think of. You don't have to go too far on either extreme. You want to get the, the most basic unit of what you wish to provide as a solution to one of the frustrations, problems, and pain points that you found in your market research. So for instance, if you're looking to start a business around motivational speaking, and you realize that there are a lot of young people in this target area that aren't graduating from high school. And you say, man, I could start a business doing motivational speaking to help increase the graduation rates in this neighborhood. You want to start with a sample before you go out and start printing out flyers and say, man, you know, I could, I could uh, come and encourage your students and improve your graduation rates. And I'm a phenomenal speaker. You want to start with that first talk. What is that first message that you can deliver? Start preparing that one golden speech that you feel as though would be beneficial to this target market and start there. And I wanna emphasize on this point that when you start with a sample, the, the goal in that instance is not to make money. When you start with your sample, you're not trying to make money at that point. What you're trying to do at this stage of the game after you found your target market, after you've identified their frustrations and problems, is begin to get feedback on what you feel might be a solution to that. And so what you might want to do, for instance, using the example I used earlier, is call a couple of schools and say, how you doing? My name is XYZ. I'm looking to encourage and help schools and students uh, increase their graduation the graduation rates and graduation probability by providing motivational speaking. Right now, I'm asking if I could come at no charge and speak to your students about X. Remember, at this point, you're not really at a point where you know that what you have to offer is something that 
people want to shell out money for. And maybe so. Maybe there may even be someone that says, you know, we will offer to pay you X, Y, Z. At this stage of the game, don't get too hung up on the price because the most valuable thing that you can get when you're starting with a sample is feedback. So when you go to the school and you conduct your, your motivational talk, you want to kind of include some mechanisms to get some feedback. Maybe it is a follow-up meeting with the principal or the teachers that brought you in. Maybe it's a, a survey that you pass out to a group of the students after they hear your presentation to get what they thought about it. And so as you start with this sample, you begin to realize, you know, man, when I start to speak, um, I actually really die down and people really get bored and I saw a lot of people yawning. Or you may find that, man, this topic that I thought was so uh, useful to this group is actually unrelatable and they really don't connect with this. And you begin to adjust your sample quite a bit to the point to where you begin to hone in on the perfect recipe for what actually does act as a solution of the problem. And so when you get this feedback, remember that this is actually what is providing a foundation for the business that you're going to launch. So many people make the mistake of thinking about money initially. And when you think about money initially, and you start setting your rates all high, and you say, you know, I'm gonna go do X, Y, and Z, but you haven't done enough market research, you haven't even like refined a sample to the point to where you know that you can confidently meet that a need or, or, or soothe that frustration, people shell out money, and the next thing you know, they're disappointed because you didn't quite deliver on what you said you would. It's important that you get to a point to where you have a sample so that you can get your feedback so that you can stand behind your product or stand behind your service. Another example would be in the software space. There's something known if you're creating a, a software um, or a business, a SaaS business as they call it, a software as a service, and you're going to be providing software that does some function for people that, that have this problem, you release what is known as a beta version. And usually a beta version is something you release to a, a limited number of people for the purpose of getting your product out there and getting people using it. And once you get people using it, you begin to start seeing where there are breakdowns and bugs. So you start seeing that, oh, when people click on this, it seems to take them to a place that I didn't intend them to take it to. And you began to hear people complain about loading speed and you began to see where people are more confused with certain parts of the interface and all that becomes golden, golden, so that when you can come back, you have a more justified reason for requiring or axing uh, the amount that you're asking for. And so that's our third step. First, find your target audience that you want to serve, i.e. target market. Number two, Ask about their problems, frustrations, and pain points. That's the A, conduct your market research, in other words. And then start with this sample. Get that minimum viable product. Okay, the fourth and final tip that we have for our FAST acronym, acronym <laughs> is T, and that stands for tweak and take off. Tweak and take off. Take off as in launch, make it happen, start marketing, let people know that you are on the scene. And tweak has to be included in this because I want you to know that everything you do, every bit of your business is going to be an iterative process. 
really meaning that at no point will you be totally at the point where you know that everything's perfect. However, after you've done the, the work of finding your audience, doing your market research, starting with the sample, you now have enough information where now you can put something forth and consider yourself a full-fledged business. Your idea is now at a point where it can begin to get into service and begin to be tweaked. And when I think about tweak and take off, I think a lot about a company and a business model that is now really just <laughs> everyday uh, commonplace for us, and that is of Netflix. Now, I don't know if many of you remember where uh, Netflix first came on the scene. Now, when I was growing up, the, the big part of, of renting videos and watching movies revolved around going to Blockbuster Video Store, getting out of the car, walking through the aisles, and it was a great experience, honestly. <laughs> I enjoyed going to Blockbuster because I knew that that night I was going to watch a great movie. And so I would go around the aisles and pick something, have my Blockbuster card, check it out. I remember when it was uh, VHS, it used to always have the sign that says, um, be kind, please rewind, or rewind, or whatever the case was. It was like, please be kind, rewind. And that was it. You know, we got the tape, went home, watched it, brought it back. Well, Netflix was a company that began to seek to leverage the power of the Internet as it relates to video rentals. And so what Netflix initially did at their business model, if you remember, was that they would actually mail DVDs to you. And what they tried to encourage you to do is go online, get an account, and just select movies that you were interested in. And they would automatically send you a uh, copy of the DVD that you wish to see. When you're done with it, you just mail it back, and they will automatically send you the next one. And that was their business model. And the whole play was that you don't have to leave home, you don't have to get out of the car, you don't have to worry about late fees because Blockbuster used to hit you with the late fees. But um, all you had to do is go online, select the movies, and we'll mail them to you, mail it back, and we'll just make sure you have a constant flow of DVDs or movies coming to you in the mail. Well, this was actually uh, moderately successful for Netflix to begin with. However, it, it was a far cry from dominating the, the rental space as it is now. And so Netflix decided to actually make a tweak. They, they began to look at using streaming. And that's exactly what they, they use now. At least they're made the, the majority of their business come from the subscription-based streaming access to all these videos. And so they made the tweak to where now you didn't have to actually have the physical copy. You just have to have the subscription where you can go on to this database and at any moment, at any time you feel like it, stream the movie that you wish to see. And when they made that change, I can tell you that the rest was history. Um, now you'd be very, very hard pressed to find Blockbuster or any other video store for that matter. Um, and then that coupled as well with other business models such as uh, Redbox, which we now see as a movie rental vending machine around town. All that kind of played and converged to now the, the rental market is completely different than it was at the time when I was growing up. And it all had to do with them tweaking the business model and then taking off. And thanks to them, we now have <laughs> Netflix and chill. Anyway, another example I think would be great is, is the app space. If you think about the app store or Google Play on your phone, at first, whenever you wanted an app, a lot of things cost. Like you had to pay 
two dollars to download this app or pay ten dollars to download this app and a lot of developers would just make their money up front from people paying to download the app well some very smart business-minded entrepreneurs began to tweak their business model and began to realize that perhaps that isn't the best way to make money on their idea the idea was solid they realized that people were interested but charging people up front kind of reduced the number of users that they can get on board and so now we have a marketplace where there are several apps that are for free but the tweaks came in where the business model no longer revolves around the upfront free but we have models that that are based on maybe a subscription we have models that are based on paying extra kind of what they call the freemium model so you have a free app but then for premium features of that app or aspects of that game or whatever it is you pay an additional amount to get that included um, they also have business models where everything is completely free and then they're just advertisement being overlaid and leveraged on top of that um, that is also basically auctioned to to other marketing companies and an example of that would be um, Instagram or Twitter um, but all this had to do with developers and entrepreneurs looking at ways they could take their golden idea that had been proven to solve a particular car problem for a particular market and then they tweaked it where they just took off and so that's what I encourage you to do and, and I want you to know just our review as I review these these points that that it doesn't have to be too deep first find your target market find an audience that you wish to serve you can do this one of three ways look at your proximity what are you close to what is around you look at your commonality what market are you a part of what do you have in common with others or number three what intrigues you what group of people or or ideal customer intrigues you that all plays into our F finding the audience you wish to serve two will be a ask about their problems frustrations and pain points and I wish to reiterate here um, that these things could be anything um, I just want you to know that a, a problem for some people is just boredom and so when you develop a game you're actually finding something that could fill in a particular time of their day when they're bored or a problem could be loneliness that's where apps such as um, Facebook and a lot of our social media apps kind of come in and fill the void where the problem is actually um, a desire to be connected to other people so it doesn't have to be anything profound but make sure you get in there and you ask these questions either directly through face-to-face -face interviews or indirectly by getting on social media um, watching Twitter feeds you know see what people are talking about maybe you can even dig into some census data um, there's another thing that you can do to indirectly ask these questions or answer these questions uh, number three you start with a sample get your minimum viable product get it out there get some feedback the goal is not to make money initially the goal is to get feedback so that you can begin to do our final tip which is tweak and then take off well there you have it those are the four tips we have for how to find your next business idea fast you know I really hope that these uh, provided value for you I hope that whatever idea you may have already been toying with um, you can kind of take that and begin to see where where it lines up with these particular tips um, I want you to know that I do not claim that these tips are comprehensive in other words it, it doesn't necessarily cover every single aspect of finding a new business 
idea and being successful at it. But what I do believe is that these things cover the core things that one would have to do in order to determine whether or not their next idea is, is a viable one. And so there you have it. Find your next business idea, F-A-S-T. And I hope that this has informed you, but not only informed you, I hope that it has inspired you. Go forth and create the next big thing. I'll catch y'all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love for you to come and join us again next time. In the meantime, please do us a couple of favors. One, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other platform you might find us on. And two, rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show. And finally, spread the word. Tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the Nesbypreneur Podcast.